Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. It just might be the most difficult skill. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, and each and every week, we dive in and take a look at one of the competencies of The Complete Leader. It's a book by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. And Ron, it's so good to be with you again today. Great to be with you, Dale. So I, I start off by saying it, it just might be one of the most difficult skills that we're working to develop through the Complete Leader and the Complete Leader program. Uh, we call it self-management. And uh, is, is it really, is it fair for me to call it one of the most difficult? Yeah, I think it is uh, for a lot of us, Dale. But we're all different people and we all have different natural talents or natural tendencies. We define talent as these naturally recurring patterns of thought, motivation, and behavior that we can apply in a productive way. And the truth is for some people, self-management seems like a natural. It just comes easy for them. For others, it can be really, really tough. And I would say that in today's fast-paced world, this is one of the skills that we really need to master if we're going to optimize our leadership influence. Absolutely. First of all, for those listeners who might be joining us for the first time and they're wondering what's this all about, they just basically tuned in this week. Give us the why behind The Complete Leader. Well, Randy Lisk and I, several years ago, started comparing notes. We were both doing a lot of executive coaching. We were helping emerging leaders further hone their skills, getting ready for senior leadership positions. Sometimes we were helping senior leaders survive. And uh, we thought, wouldn't it be great if we could take a lot of what we've learned about helping leaders develop new skills and put it into a book to systematize it, both because it would give our clients something to go back to as a reference, but secondly, it could greatly expand the contribution that we make to helping leaders grow around the world. And out of that grew The Complete Leader, first as a book and then as a website then, and then as a development program. And you can see now this podcast and we have videos and it's really become a central part of the work that we do. And as we walked down this journey, we became acutely aware of two facts the first fact is that there are epical changes taking place in leadership around the world today. First of all, because we have the largest shift demographically by age groups in leadership that we've had at least in our lifetimes, it may be one of the greatest shifts in all of history because we have so many baby boomers that are retiring and leaving leadership roles and we don't have enough of the next generation, what are often referred to as the Gen Xers. They were maybe born from 1965 to 1980 in that range. We don't have enough of them to take over these leadership roles. So that next generation, often referred to as Gen Y or millennials, is taking leadership roles in organizations much sooner. And the second big trend that's happening is that this is happening uh, in a very, very complex world. The, the challenges of leadership are unique and different today than they've ever been before. Yeah, working hard and having character is still important, but there's a lot more to effective leadership today. The other thing that we found out in our research that really impacted us, and it's really become a central focus of my thinking these days, is that when you look at the literature around leadership development, most leadership development initiatives are considered failures or at a minimum 
underperforming on their expectations. So this has been sort of the, the final big challenge of my career, Dale, is how do we help leaders develop in a way that exceeds expectations instead of falling short? And we've talked in, in recent podcasts about the, uh, the tangible results that uh, businesses see out of that. So. Yeah. There, as a matter of fact, there's great data, there's great research that effective leaders create better business results, sometimes by multiples. So it's not just about helping the person develop. It's about as the person develops as a leader or as groups develop as leaders, they have a collective impact on their organizations that greatly enhances the fulfillment of the organization's missions and whatever they define as bottom line results. And you've talked about how, you just talked about how fast the world is changing. And and interestingly, you know, once that printed word goes on the page, on a piece of paper, on a book, it seems to be a bit permanent. But you have put together a more alive function uh, in a website so that it's constantly updating and you're presenting the latest information around leadership development on the Complete Leader website. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, we don't think that the leadership challenges of today are static or set in stone, but they're dynamic. They're constantly evolving and changing. And even though I really believe that you can look at this encyclopedia of skills that we have written about in the Complete Leader, the application of those skills and how you fit them into your specific leadership challenge is constantly growing and evolving. And, and actually, in fact, the development of these skills is almost like an upward spiral of growth. You never cross the finish line. So today we're talking about self-management. You can develop a lot of great capabilities in self-management, but you never get to the end where you can say, I don't need to work on it anymore. It's something that constantly needs training. It needs refinement. So the website, thecompleteleader.org, is the repository for this continual development of new content that we have. This podcast is posted on the website. So we have over 50, 60 podcasts that are on the website right now, and we keep adding to it every week. We have uh, a whole series of videos. We, right now we have over 50 short format videos that cover one of these skills. And obviously several of the skills are covered with more than one video. We have blogs, we have other resources. So what we're doing is we're trying to create a community of conversation around what it means to be a complete leader and how we can all take that journey together. So the book is split up into four areas. Leaders are clear thinkers. Leaders lead themselves. Leaders lead others. And leaders are authentic. Today, we're diving into that section of leaders lead themselves and specifically self-management. Uh, let's talk about that, that first skill under the heading of leaders lead themselves themselves. How do you define self-management? Well, I think it has two parts. The first is how well do you manage yourself or what we refer to as self-control. And then the second part is how well do you focus on and execute around what matters most in whatever leadership role that you have? So when we talk about leading yourself or managing yourself, we really have to think about it in at least four dimensions. How well are you managing yourself physically? Because your physical well-being has a profound impact on your ability to lead. Secondly, how well are you managing yourself emotionally? Are you using your emotions as an asset or are they a liability in your leadership? Third is how well do you manage yourself intellectually? Are you continually feeding yourself with new ideas 
with new ways of thinking about how to manage yourself in your leadership role? And finally, how well are you managing yourself spiritually? So how how well do you stay focused and uh, relevant in what matters most to you in terms of purpose in your life and a deeper intrinsic reason for why you lead where you lead? So this is what we're talking about in the context of managing yourself. And it has two parts. So let's talk first about self-control. And uh, I have, and this is tough for a lot of us. So lead us down yeah. the road. Yeah, I think it is, Dale, because this is part of us. It gets to the deepest part of who we are and understanding ourselves and uh, being clear or intentional about how we lead and how we manage ourselves. And so I think to develop optimal self-control, you have to go on this journey that I think is best uh, articulated through four different philosophers. The, the challenge is when we listen to philosophers is that philosophers love open-ended questions. <laughs> with, with philosophers, you never get to the end. You're constantly rethinking these things. So the first philosopher that I think of that takes us on this journey is Socrates, who said that the whole purpose of life is to know yourself. And when he said to know yourself, obviously he's saying that that is iterative. It's incremental over time. You don't just take a class or you don't just take an assessment once that maps out traits and all of a sudden you know yourself. It's a journey that you go on over and over and over again. It's sort of like running laps throughout your life to know yourself. And then another uh, philosopher came along, Kierkegaard, who said, it's not enough to know yourself. You have to choose yourself. And, and, And I think what he was trying to inspire us to do is to embrace the uniqueness of who we are, the recognition that every one of us has a unique operating system. Every one of us has a unique set of experiences that become a part of who we are and how we define ourselves. And he's saying, embrace it. Don't fight against it. Learn how to appreciate the strengths that you bring to life and learn how to accept and, and not ignore or cover up or spend too much time trying to fix the weaknesses in terms of your natural traits. The third philosopher, Mirandola, said, it's not enough to know yourself, to choose yourself. You have to create yourself. And in large part, that's what the complete leader ecosystem is about, is once you know who you are and you've embraced it, how do you make the most of it? How do you develop yourself? I think of the talent that we've been given as a gift is only dormant. It becomes active and dynamic when we convert it into a skill. And a skill is a learned capability. That's why we talk about self-management being a learned capability. And then finally, um, the last philosopher is somebody who's had a big impact on me. His name is Robert Hartman. He was a philosopher at the University of Tennessee, and he had a very rich life, rich background. He said, you can know yourself, you can choose yourself, you can create yourself But until you give yourself, you haven't begun to demonstrate leadership. It's when you give what you have become, what you've developed of yourself, that you become a leader. So I think developing optimal self-control begins with understanding this journey, which again, I think of as being an upward spiral or running laps, but the laps keep getting better and better and better as you go. And then in that context, when we talk about self-control and we've developed a clear understanding of who we are, I think self-control is about managing the space in our lives between stimulus and response. 
So what do I mean by that? I mean, when somebody comes to you and they tell you that they're having a problem or they have a complaint or they ask for your help on something, that's the stimulus. They have, they have lit and a fuse, so to speak. They've created a need for you to respond. And at some point you're going to respond. So the way that we manage self-control is how we manage that space between stimulus and response. Do we manage that space reactively? Do we just give an automatic off the cuff response? Is it highly emotional? Is it very analytical? Is it logical? How much space is there that we're managing between stimulus and response? And how are we managing that? That one of the fascinating things that as I've thought about this throughout my career is that we all have a different amount of space. You've, I'm sure that all of our listeners have worked with a leader who was what I would refer to as ready, fire, 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 aim. <laughs> it's just an immediate response. And then we might have also worked with a leader that it was ready, aim, 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 fire. Well, those are two very different spaces between stimulus and response. So I think self-control begins by understanding what space we've been given, what is our natural tendency in how we manage that space, and then how can we manage that space more effectively? How can we do a better job of being intentional, of managing our response based on our values instead of just reacting to whoever created the initial stimulus? How we manage that space has a lot to do with how well we have developed self-control. I think of that saying, we can't control the circumstances, but we can re- we can control our response to the circumstances. Yes, and I think all of us have to think about uh, developing some flexibility in how we manage our response to those circumstances. You know, for some of us, our space is very short, and we have to figure out ways to lengthen it. Uh, the old adage is sometimes you have to learn how to count to 10 before you respond. One of the things I often do with leaders when I'm helping them to develop better communication skills with each other, first of all, I emphasize that listening is also a communication skill and it's usually underdeveloped in most of us. So I will have them try to create five seconds of space between one quits when one leader quits talking and the next one begins talking. You know how long that five seconds feels like? (laughs) An eternity in conversation. Oh, it can be very, very challenging to be quiet for five seconds before you respond. But if you'll practice that between leader to leader, it's amazing how it changes the conversation, creating that space. And what we're doing is we're doing, it's a practical example of the space between stimulus and response. But for some of us, Dale, we have to go the other direction. Some of us have too much space between stimulus and response. And because we don't respond soon enough, we forfeit leadership. People just go on and we should have been a contributor in that conversation. And we weren't because we got too far out of rhythm with where the rest of the people were around us. So for some of us, we have to learn how to shorten the space and speak up sooner. So the space is different for every one of us. And every one of us has our own unique opportunities to develop skill in this area of how we manage that space. So let's talk about some of the practical steps and what we can do to develop more self-control. Well, well, first of all, I would like to say that in the way that we manage self-control, it's always a combination of logic and emotion. 
There's always a little bit of both. For some of us, it's mostly logic and there's not much emotion. For some of us, uh, it's a lot of emotion and not much logic. The first thing that I encourage our listeners to think about is see if you can always have emotion follow logic instead of lead. I have found that whether it's through optimism or whether it's through anger or whatever emotion you want to describe, that those leaders that lead with emotion and follow with logic are more at risk of getting themselves in trouble, making a poor decision or taking an action that later they'll regret. So first, think about putting logic first and emotion second. Don't quiet emotion completely. Don't kill it because emotion is an important part of leadership that makes sure that it's always in the right place, that it's following logic. Can you give us a real world example of what that would look like? I'm thinking I'm going to lay out a case almost like an attorney and then I'll bring the, so that would be the logic piece. And then I bring in the passion, which would be the emotion. Yes. So first of all, make sure that when you speak logically, that you, you do it with conviction. That's the beginning of emotion is that when you, it's a rational, logical argument that if it was presented without any emotion at all, it would make sense, but it's the emotion that gives it energy. It's the emotion that makes it compelling. The second way I think of getting emotion behind logic is tell your audience, tell your followers, tell other leaders what it is you think we should do from a logical point of view, and then tell a story that has emotion in it that reinforces or validates why that logic that you've presented is the way that we should go. So that's those are two examples of how you get emotion to follow logic instead of leading. An example the other way around of emotion getting out front is where somebody just blows up. I've, I've, I've got a client right now where the CEO is a brilliant CEO, but he gets frustrated and he loses self-control and he starts berating the people in his organization and he's working against what he wants to accomplish because instead of motivating them and telling them that he knows they can do it and that this is the deadline and it needs to get done, he starts telling them that they never perform, that they're no good, and he's doing exactly the opposite of what he wants to accomplish. The opposite of his intention because he's let emotion get in front of logic instead of behind logic. So that's suggestion number one. Suggestion number two, journal about how you're handling that space between stimulus and response. So here's an easy way to do it. I would suggest that you just have a note card or you have a, a, a journal where at the end of each day, you give yourself a score from one to 10 of how well did you demonstrate self-control during that day? How well did you manage that space between stimulus and response? An eight, a nine, or a 10 would be, I did a great job of managing that space. A one, a two, or a three would be, boy, I really lost it today. I I didn't demonstrate any self-control at all. And be candid with yourself. And if you'll give yourself a score at the end of each day, and then you might write down just one example of why you gave yourself that score in 140 Uh, spaces or less, sort of a tweet to yourself about how you manage self-control that day. That's number two. Number three would be then to ask yourself, well, how do I want to change how I manage this space? What one idea are you going to work on tomorrow? And then the last suggestion I have is ask somebody else to give you feedback. Ask them to be your mirror. You know, Dale, one of the amazing things I've I've thought about as a metaphor about developing leadership is the fact that without the use of something outside of myself, I could not describe my face to you. 
without the use of a mirror, something that's not me. I had to get outside of myself, sort of become a third party to myself by looking in a mirror to understand what I look like. And I think becoming a great leader requires mirrors around you who will give you feedback. So ask somebody that you trust, somebody who's hanging out with you during your workday to give you feedback, whether it's at the end of each day or at the end of each week, to just give you an idea of how well they think you have demonstrated self-control. And maybe they have an idea of how you could improve the way that you manage that space between stimulus and response. Oh, this is fantastic. Now, this topic is so important that we're going to uh, spend more time talking about this idea of self-management in an upcoming episode. So any final words for us as we put uh, put a wrap on this podcast? Dale, even though uh, Randy and I wrote the book, The Complete Leader, and even though you and I are recording these podcasts, I still see myself as a student. So I go back. The book is available on Audible. It's on Kindle and iBook and in in hardcover form. I go back and listen to the chapters in the book. I go back and listen to these podcasts over and over and over again because I need to keep growing just like our listeners do. These things are just as important to me. So I encourage our listeners, don't listen to these podcasts once and think you're done. Listen to them over and over and over again, because every time you'll pick up something different that you didn't hear the first time through. Absolutely. It, it is just like watching a movie. If you have a favorite movie, you'll remember the first time you saw it in a theater. And then the second time you notice things that you hadn't seen before or you didn't pick up on before. And it becomes even more rich. So great advice. Thanks, Dale. Hey, thank you, Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader. And this is The Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to The Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org. 